Welcome to the Thrive City Church Podcast. My name is Pastor Ben, and I'm so grateful that you have decided to check us out. At Thrive City Church, we want you to experience a thriving life with Jesus. Wherever you are listening from, we hope that you find this message hopeful and encouraging. Good morning, Thrive City Church family. So honored to be with you all. I have missed you all. It's been a little bit. Um, so quickly, I just want to say, if you are out there, you're feeling lonely, depressed, anxious, if this winter season has just have you just a little on edge and it seems like it's never going to end, we, we want you to know here at Thrive City Church that we are thinking about you, we love you, and we're praying for you. Most importantly, we want you to know that Jesus loves you. He died for you and nobody can take that away from you. And I'm gonna say this boldly and unapologetically, that Jesus is the answer to every issue. And for every heart that has ever existed, he is the universal remedy to your every need. The Bible says that in him all things exist. So that means our every need lives in a person. And his name is Jesus. There is no greater name. There is no greater truths out there. He is it. So please be encouraged and know and be confident that Jesus is everything. And I'm believing that the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you directly this morning. Also, real quickly, I did some research. This winter season is actually coming to a close March 20th. So spring is coming. Hallelujah. Can I get an A? Men, we will make it out together, I promise. So let me pray for us all and we will jump right into the word. Jesus, we love you. I pray that you would speak to your people, speak to Thrive City Church, so specifically that it will shock them. Lord, as we open your scriptures, let your Holy Spirit come alive, invade the houses invade the rooms that your people are listening. We honor you, Lord. We glorify your name. Be glorified, Jesus, in this message. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen, and amen. So church, have you ever just missed it? Just, it, it's gone right over your head. Now, if you're anything like me, if there's any husbands out there, if you're a man out there in general, we miss it all day, every day. It's just something in our DNA. I don't know why that is, but we just miss it. We miss the mark. Now, I got a quick bad husband moment for everyone out there. I wonder if anyone else can relate. So here at Thrive City Church, we have a confession. So for me, I suck at introducing my wife. Honey, if you're out there listening, I know you are. I love you. Church, please pray for me. I am terrible at this. I'm guilty of it. So just the other day, we were going to a family friends function and we go to this restaurant and there's people that I have not seen in forever. And of course, my wife also does not know any of these people. So I'm kind of bouncing around. People are in that corner. People are over there. And I'm just like, oh my goodness, I haven't seen them in so long. So I'm making my rounds, all of a sudden, 30 minutes goes by, I turn to look to my wife, Naomi, 
she's not there. So I just start frantically like glancing around the room, where is she? Then all of a sudden, I look to the corner of my eye, she's sitting down by herself, and she has this look of terror. I'm telling you, if there's any married couples out there, your wife has the ability to just look into your soul at times, and it is terrifying, it's terrifying. And so I do what any other husband would do, I, you know, walk over to the table, I ask her, honey, what is going on? Like, can I get you a drink? Can I get you some food? Crickets. She doesn't answer me. So I look to my brother, who also made his way over, because he knew what was happening. And I go, Kyle, what is going on? And I, I wrote this down, his exact words. Bro, you got to get better at introducing your wife to people. You suck at it. So for the rest of the night, I understand what I did. I'm working overtime. I'm introducing her to people that she already knows two or three times. I am not going to ruin this night because I did not introduce her. I'm going overtime on this one. So that's just one example, right? How many more are there? How many more times do we just miss it as flawed human beings? Very flawed we are. How many more times do we just miss it? Now today we're gonna to explore how two men missed it in Luke 24. And I've titled this message, Don't Miss Him. Don't Miss Him. So let us all turn in our Bibles to Luke 24, 13 through 32. And the context here is Jesus has already been to the cross. He's been beaten brutally, murdered on a cross, and he's been put in a tomb. Three days later, two women, Mary and Mary, one is Mary Magdalene, the other one, not sure, but they go to the tomb and it's empty. The body of Jesus, it's not there anymore. And so they're just frantically worrying what in the world has happened to Jesus's body. And then two angels appear, two angels appear to them and they're just like, what are you doing looking for the living in a tomb? He's obviously not here. He's resurrected. Please go tell the other disciples. So they go off. They run to the other disciples. The disciples are so beaten down, crushed over what happened to Jesus that they, they don't even believe the Marys. They don't believe what they just experienced. They don't believe the angels. So we're going to pick up in Luke 24. This is the road to Emmaus. These two disciples are actually leaving Jerusalem, the place that Jesus died. They're leaving the other disciples. They're hopeless. They're leaving. They're done. So we'll pick up in verse 13. It says, Later that Sunday, two of Jesus' disciples were walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus, a journey of about 17 miles. They were in the midst of a discussion about all the events of the last few days when Jesus walked up and accompanied them in their journey. They were unaware that it was Jesus walking alongside them, for God prevented them from recognizing him. So I'm just going to pause real quick. We have to acknowledge that this is just an incredible start to this passage, that Jesus has just been murdered, and then he appears to two of his disciples who are utterly hopeless at this moment, and he appears to them. I just think that is so profound. And so we pick up, and Jesus said to them, you seem to be in a deep discussion about something. What are you talking about so sad and gloomy? They stopped. 
And one, then one of the man named Clepis answered, have you heard? Are you the only one in Jerusalem unaware of the things that happened over the last few days? And so Clepis is actually found in the gospel of John. And in the gospel of John, Clepis is known to be Jesus's uncle. So more emphasis on the importance of this disciple. The other one is unnamed. We don't know who he was, but Clepis we do. He was the uncle of Jesus. So the importance of this disciple who is actually family with Jesus. He's walking away from the very place where he should be. Now Jesus asks, what things? The things about Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they replied. He was a mighty prophet of God who performed miracles and wonders. His words were powerful and he had great favor with God and the people. But three days ago, the high priest and the rulers of the people sentenced him to death and had him crucified. We all hoped that he was the one who would redeem and rescue Israel. Early this morning, some of the women informed us of something amazing. They said they went to the tomb and found it empty. They claimed two angels appeared and told them that Jesus is now alive. Some of us went to see for ourselves and found the tomb exactly like the woman said. But no one has seen him. Jesus said to them, why are you so thick-headed? Why do you find it so hard to believe every word the prophets have spoken? Wasn't it necessary for Christ, the Messiah, to experience all these sufferings and then afterward enter into his glory? Then he carefully unveiled to them the revelation of himself throughout the scripture. He started from the beginning and explained the writings of Moses and all the prophets, showing how they wrote of him, revealed the truth about himself. As they approached the village, Jesus walked on ahead, telling them he was going to a distant place. They urged him to remain there and pleaded, stay with us. It will be dark soon. So Jesus went with them into the village. Joining them at the table for supper, he took bread and blessed it and broke it, then gave it to them all at once. Their eyes were open and they realized it was Jesus. It was Jesus. Then suddenly in a flash, Jesus vanished before their eyes. Stunned, they looked at each other and said, why didn't we recognize it was him? Didn't our hearts burn with flames of holy passion while we walked beside him? He unveiled for us such profound revelation from the scriptures. That last verse fires me up. Church, don't our hearts burn with flames of holy passion while we walk beside Jesus? Now, there is so much in this passage. I know that's a large passage of scripture, but I want to narrow it down and I want to talk about a few points that I believe that we can learn in this passage in Luke. And we're going to do this by answering two questions. The first one is, how can we miss Jesus? The second one will be, how can we make sure that we don't miss Jesus? Now let's tackle that first one. How can we miss Jesus? What these disciples did and what we can do is we can miss him by misidentifying who he is. What does this mean? It isn't until he is lifted above all things that he can be everything for you. Some people want him to be everything, but they won't put him above everything. So if we go back into the scripture in Luke 24, verse nine, these two men say this about Jesus. Now Jesus asks them, what things, the things about Jesus, they replied. Jesus from Nazareth, they say, he was a mighty prophet of God who performed miracles and wonders. 
His words were powerful and he had great favor with God and the people. Now this has to be the biggest misunderstatement of all time. Isn't he much more than the description that these two disciples have given him? Isn't he much more than a prophet who performed mighty miracles? We will miss him if we don't properly identify who Jesus is. That's not to blame these men. Remember, they've just experienced a very traumatic experience. They saw their, their, their prophet, their, their miracle worker, the person they've been walking with, they just saw him murdered on a cross. They're hopeless. They weren't able to see him because they didn't know all that he was. Now let's look at the Bible. Let's look at what the Bible says about Jesus. Now let's take a listen to the change of language around who Jesus is. It comes from Ephesians 1, 20 through 22. And the apostle Paul says, God's power was released when he raised Christ from the dead and exalted him to the place of highest honor and supreme authority in the heavenly realm. And now he is exalted as first above every ruler, authority, government, and realm of power in existence. He is gloriously enthroned over every name that is ever praised, not only in this age, but in the age that is coming. And he alone is the leader and source of everything needed in the church. God has put everything beneath the authority of Jesus Christ, and he has given him the highest rank above all others. I love how it says he alone is the leader and source of everything needed in the church. That is back then and that is still today. At Thrive City Church, Jesus is the greatest leader of all. No questions asked. Thrive City Church, he is so much more than a prophet who performed miracles. With so many different opinions out there, even back then 2,000 years ago and still today, we still have questions who is Jesus and how can we properly identify him? We find this in the scripture. Jesus actually asks us the same question. It's found in Matthew 16, 13 through 20. He says, when Jesus came to Philippi, he asked his disciples this question. What are the people saying about me? The son of man, who do they believe I am? They answered, some are convinced you are John the baptizer. Others say you are Elijah reincarnated or Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But you, Jesus is asking, but you, who do you say that I am? Jesus asks. Simon, Simon Peter spoke up and said, you are the anointed one, the son of the living God. Now Jesus replies, you are favored and privileged, Simon, son of Jonah. For you didn't discover this on your own, but my father in heaven has supernaturally revealed it to you. I give you the name Peter, a stone. And this truth of who I am will be the bedrock foundation on which I will build my church, my legislative assembly. And the power of death will not be able to overpower it. I will give you the keys of heaven's kingdom realm to forbid on earth that which is forbidden in heaven and to release on earth that which is released in heaven. Jesus liked that response. Peter identifies Jesus as the anointed one. Other translations say the Christ or the Messiah, the son of the living God. And this becomes the bedrock foundation of where the church stands. Thrive City Church stands on this truth today. He is so much more than a profound teacher. He's so much more 
than a miracle worker. He is so much more than how we identify him back then and still today. How we identify him matters, church. Jesus is the anointed one, the son of the living God. This Jesus is the stone that the builders have rejected and now he has become the cornerstone. There is no one else who has the power to save us for there is only one name to whom God has given authority by which we must experience salvation, the name of Jesus. Amen. So let's continue in the scripture with Luke 24 and 21. And it says, But three days ago, the high priest and the rulers of the people sentenced him to death and had him crucified. We all hoped he was the one who would redeem and rescue Israel. Now, this shows that these two disciples had an expectation around what they thought Jesus was to do for them and what he came to earth for. Now, again, it's not to blame these disciples. Roman rule was taking over the entire globe back then. They were so oppressed. They were looking for uh, the mighty military Jesus. They wanted him to come with a sword, but he had an, a different agenda, a much more powerful one. But don't we all do this? Don't we all have expectations around what we believe God is doing and what he should do for us? We have these expectations, and if they're not met, we begin to question and wonder, is God really working? Is God really moving? Did I really hear him correctly? What's he doing? I know I'm famous for this one. Just the other day, me and my wife like to kind of look back and we like to look forward to the future and what God is doing, what he has already done. And we had this moment, she looked at me and she was like, man, we were so focused on these two things. But when we look back now, we saw all that God has done in our lives, but we couldn't see it. We weren't experiencing it because we were so transfixed and focused on the few things that he wasn't doing. But he's doing so much more, church. We get so busy in the past season looking at what God hasn't done that we become blinded to all that he already has done and is continuing to do. We miss out on so much when we do this. We must shift focus. And if we don't, we will miss, we will miss him. So what are we to do? Do we have to let go of all of our expectations of what we believe God is to do for us? Maybe, if they're holding us hostage to all of what he's doing, then yes, we should lay the expectations down. Trusting that he is working everything together already for those who love him. Don't miss out on what God is doing because you're so focused on what he hasn't done. He's doing so much more in this season. Now, the second question, remember that second question, we're going to tackle this one. What we can do to make sure we don't miss him? I believe we need to stay away from casual Christianity. Some of us are good with casually seeing Jesus on a Sunday, then letting him go for the rest of the week. Did anyone else out there grow up going to church every Sunday? Your mom and dad would make you go. It's very easy to fall into this very casual relationship, this casual Christianity. Anyone who's, who's grown up in church knows what I'm talking about. Get your Jesus on on Sundays and then leave them for the rest of the week. 
and something that's very easy to fall into. But if we look back into Luke 24, verse 28 through 29, he says, As they approached the village, Jesus walked on ahead, telling them he was going on to a distant place. They urged him to remain there and pleaded, Stay with us. It will be dark soon. So Jesus went with them into the village. Now remember, these guys were filled with grief, confusion. I believe this is part of the reason why they could not see that Jesus was walking alongside of them on the road to Emmaus. You see, a lot of us allow Jesus to walk with us for a little while. Then as he goes ahead, we just let him go on by. But did you hear the language these disciples used? They said, stay with us, Jesus. They plead with him, remain where we are. They weren't going to let him casually walk away. Now, I believe what actually kept Jesus with those two disciples is was the desperation and the bankruptcy displayed from these two men. The Spirit of God will always respond to bankruptcy and dependency. Dependency, church, is Christianity. Remembering we have nothing without Jesus. That we can't even want him without him. We can't even love him without him. Totally bankrupt and totally dependent on him. Have you lost your dependency on him? Are you good without him? What does your life say? We must be utterly and totally dependent. Fully dependent like a newborn who needs their mother and father. We can't eat without him. We can't sleep without him. We can't pump gas without him. We can't brush our teeth without him. Have we become independent Christians? Have we lost our dependency, our bankruptcy for our Savior who saved our lives? Church, can I encourage us to leave the religious mindset of only Jesus on Sundays? I promise if you seek him on a Monday, he will be there. A Tuesday, Monday through Saturday, he will be there all the same. He's looking for a dependent heart, a hungry heart, a totally bankrupt for him. And he will meet you right where you are. Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Do you know who righteousness is? Do you know how we gain this righteousness? It's only through Jesus. I am not the righteousness of God because of anything that I do. It is only through your union and your relationship with Jesus. For God made the only one who did not know sin to become sin for us, so that we who did not know righteousness might become the righteousness of God through our union with him. Now, the last thing we can do to make sure that we don't miss him is we can set a table for him and eat with him. If we look into Luke 24, 30 through 31, It says, joining them at the table for supper, he took bread and blessed it and broke it. Then he gave it to them. All at once their eyes were opened and they realized it was Jesus. Then suddenly in a flash, Jesus vanished from before their eyes. We learn here from this passage that these disciples not only begged Jesus to stay with them, but they sat with him. They prepared a meal for them. They broke bread with him. I believe this symbolizes two things. Number one is intimacy. Second one is friendship. Think about inviting someone over, cooking for them, setting the table before them. 
In those moments, there's safety, there's friendship, there's intimacy happening, happening around that dinner table. Something special. We should do it more. That is the place where religion is unpacked and relationship becomes the dominant voice. Jesus is no longer a theory or a doctrine or something that we practice. No, we have a real-life relationship that we begin to have around the dinner table. And this is the very thing that opened these two men's eyes. And I believe it can open our eyes to him as well. Church, let's invite Jesus over. Let's sit with him, prepare a meal for him, be intimate with him, make it personal. So much more than what we do on a Sunday. He's so much more than what we talk about. He is so much more. And then this is when relationship will triumph over religion. I'll end with the last part of Luke 24. And they said, stunned, they looked at each other and said, why didn't we recognize it was him? Didn't our hearts burn with the flames of holy passion while we walked beside him? He unveiled for us such profound revelation from the scriptures. They left at once and hurried back to Jerusalem to tell the other disciples. When they found the 11 and the other disciples all together, they overheard them saying, it's really true. The Lord has risen from the dead. He has appeared to Peter. Then the, then the two disciples told the others what had happened to them on the road to Emmaus and how Jesus had unveiled himself as he broke bread with them. Thrive City Church, let us not miss him in this season. I don't believe we can afford it. Let us know and learn all that Jesus is in our lives by not misidentifying who he is. He is supreme above everything in our lives. Let us not miss out on what he is doing because we are so focused on what he hasn't done for us. He is doing so much more than we know and that we give him credit for. Let us get away from the standard casual Christianity and let us burn again with the flames of holy passion for him. Dependency and bankruptcy is Christianity. And finally, let us set a table before him and eat with him, break bread with him. He is so desperate for authentic and intimate friendship with us. Now church, if we have forgotten who he is, if you have forgotten what he has done for you, I want to urge us to look back and remember all that he is doing and that he has done. And we can say, just like these two disciples did on the road to Emmaus, did in our hearts burn. Don't our hearts burn, church, when he walks alongside of us. He wants to walk with us today and every day with those burning flames of passion that we have for him. Now, some of you may be asking yourself, how do I do all this stuff? What are you even saying? How can I identify who Jesus is? I don't know him. How can I burn for someone that died thousands of years ago? How do I set a table and eat with him? Very first thing that we can do is we can surrender our lives to him and make him Lord of our lives. I said in the beginning that it isn't until he is lifted above all things that he can be everything for you. Some of us want him to be everything, but they aren't willing to lift him above everything. He must become your everything in your life. Now, if you have never made Jesus Lord of your entire life, 
leaving everything behind to follow him and you would like to do so, I would love to pray with you. The Bible says that we are dead in our transgressions and in our sin. But this is why the scripture says, arise, you sleeper. Rise up from your coffin and the anointed one will shine his light in you. Now, if you know you need Jesus, if you know this is speaking to your heart and you want to give your life to Jesus, then as a church family, let us pray together. Jesus, I need you. I want, you, I want to make you my Lord and my Savior. I place you above everything in my life. I believe that you went to the cross, that you died, and three days later, you rose from the grave. Jesus, I want to live for you. I want to make you Lord over my life. Help me. Walk with me. Let me burn with holy flames of passion for you. I love you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Now, if that was you and that was the first time you ever said that prayer, I want you to text THRIVE to 94000. One of the pastors will get back to you. Um, you're not doing this alone. We, we have a church family here for you. Get involved here. It's a safe family. And we love you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in and cannot wait to see what God is doing at Thrive City Church. Can't wait to see you soon. Love you guys. Thank you so much for listening today. We want to empower you to take the next step towards a thriving life with Jesus. If you're looking to get more connected, head over to our website, thrivecity.church connect. Tell us a little bit more about yourself and we would love to connect with you. Thank you.